Yeah, um, I mean, uh, yeah, as I said, it was uh, pretty lucky for the for the first lockdown, and it was uh, I was isolated in, on an island, uh, so uh, in a place that was pretty much uh, uh, safe in terms of pandemic, and it was. Um, very good condition actually to to keep working and uh, it's been pretty productive actually so uh, was a bit lucky to be away of this uh, i was following it of course but was uh, pretty much outside of it and while now uh, for the second lockdown uh, it's much more different for me because i'm in paris and it's uh, it's much more uh, present of course even though the second lockdown uh, in France is uh, less strict and activities remain so uh, uh, and it's in the this kind of stupor that struck everyone for the first lockdown this kind of new thing uh, is not so much uh, in the air today so uh, people just live with it and it's uh, it's another dynamic and it's interesting to be uh, to be here now actually so i'm doing okay and i've been lucky not to to be too much damaged by the, the disease itself so i'm i'm very curious uh, i mean you just uh, or in english your book Uh, about death has been, was published a few years ago and uh, I wonder whether you have thought um, or rethought some of the ideas that you deal with it in this book in light of the current pandemic I mean I was very interested about this Dublin divergence force that you talk uh, in the book the centripetal and the centrifugal um, yeah there has This pandemic make you reconsider some aspects that you work in this book. It's uh, it's it's a very tricky and complex uh, uh, question actually because um, I don't think uh, anyone has harvested yet uh, everything from the lessons and the and the conclusion from the pandemic because it's not done. Uh, it might be an episode and it might be something isolated in time that we can uh, look at as an object or it can um, uh, be something chronical and living with us depending on the mutation of the virus and the, and the efficiency of the treatment and vaccine so I think it's still not uh, it's still not something that um, we can really apprehend with a uh, with a retrospective look. So having said that, it's pretty hard for me to uh, to take this non-finite object uh, and to and to put it in regards of the, of the book. Uh, no, the, the thing I, um, the thing I observed, uh, and I'm still questioning it. I think that it enlightened a certain relationship to to death. And a, a, a certain um, a refusal of uh, of death and uh, and a panic actually uh, uh, towards death and uh, and in France, for example, in 1968, there have been a, a massive flu and I think 60,000 people died 
And uh, when I talked about that about to my parents, who were like young people at the time, they didn't even notice. So from so the relationship to um, and the acceptance of, of of death has been shifting slowly, and I'm not sure why. But um, uh, another aspect uh, of uh, of what we're living now is um, the the multiplication of impacts uh, that we we all um, receive with the multiplication of information and the globalization of information that we all uh, uh, absorb every day. So it's kind of a massive uh, pandemic in terms of, of course, uh, cases and uh, illness and, uh, and, uh, and um, health issues. And it's also a massive one in terms of uh, symbols and informations. And uh, I think it's just, uh, to try to answer your, your, your question, Martin, I think it's just an emphasis of uh, what was uh, at stake in the book. I don't know if, I, if it makes sense. Yeah, I think it, it does. Because actually, uh, I think it's interesting this dichotomy with COVID-19. Because on the one hand, it makes present the idea of our own finitude for certain generations. Because as you just mentioned, we have this number of deaths, this continuous information about health, etc. But on the other hand, we see these kind of social scientific problems in terms of the behavior of uh, young people and teenagers and their feeling of almost immortality, that they are not aware of their own Finitude, and there is this dichotomy in which uh, someone, I don't know, older than 40, is actually concerned for his own potential disease, but as well transmitting to the, the disease to elderly people, etc. But you see how, depending on the different lockdown uh, regimes, you see how sneaky teenagers are because they think this this sort of death is has nothing to do with them mm-hmm. if you know what I mean yeah and it's, it's, I find it quite remarkable because in the after death um, uh, what's the original t- title Aprella Mortor yes you are continuously talking about yeah this disembodiment of death from our daily life and now we are living a moment in which when your loved ones or people they are passing away mm-hmm. even we don't have access to to the event to yes. this loved one that is passing away in hospital etc so it's a very very weird thing I don't know if you thought about this, yeah, this additional layer of disembodiment, of detachment, of death from. Yeah, it's it's, it's striking to see that uh, uh, this pandemic has been a, an excuse to to uh, an opportunity to 
to make strong decision and on a symbolic order. And for example, it's uh, in France you can um, you can go to work and you can go to a factory, but you can't really go to someone's funeral. And um, so you can tell it's a uh, this pandemic, this crisis state, instead of being like a crisis state that just is an exception in the in the order of the society, is more like revelatory of of what's uh, what's the real weight of things, and uh, and symbolic and rituals and um, facing death are um, totally uh, overshadowed by uh, economical purposes and or. Um, I mean, it's the same. It's 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 exactly the same. It's uh, it's um, it's it's like you have two discourses. One is about the the fragility of life and the symbolic relationship to it through rituals, and the other is a negation of death through an everlasting economical force that drives everyone uh, by himself towards the same eternal direction in a way and uh, and this moment is really uh, striking for that and how do you see the role of gilets jaunes which movement which was happening before and people were very confused about it uh, but it was definitely showing the cracks of the french state and there was it was a very very mix uh, and a mixed group of people how how do you see you know between that kind of counter movement and now which i guess is in a weird kind of a state i don't know if they're continuing you know because i guess now there is this uh, they are anti anti corona or anti masks kind of uh, protest how, how do you see this relationship it's it's tricky and I'm not really sure but um, uh, I think there's two at least in France there were like two different things um, at least at the beginning because gilets jaunes were more like a middle class people who were kind of struggling and don't feel um, represented uh, through the the state apparatus, and uh, and so demonstrate to to uh, to protest to this situation of not being uh, acknowledged by the by the the power, and um, it shifted strangely uh, with the help of uh, social networks through. Um, Something more, much more um, unidentifiable, something uh, much more uh, cloudy, with lots of different people, lots of different uh, uh, revendications, and um, and then it can be uh, this second uh, state of gilets jaunes can be more linked to me for with. Uh, with anti-mask or protest people, and it's it's a big defiance against uh, the order in, in uh, what's 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 in place, and it's very hard to to decipher uh, 
the dynamics of it. At least I'm I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a specialist about these questions, and I'm not a sociologist, and uh, and I'm still looking at this with a very um, uh, I'm I'm very uh, puzzled by by this, and um, the thing I can just say it's I, I think there's like a uh, a mechanism that's happened through. Uh, this kind of idea of social network that's and the um, individualization of society that is uh, 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 I think something that's very uh, common with all western uh, post post capitalism post industrial countries where everybody is um, is entitled to say what it thinks and um, even though it didn't really think about it <laughs> He say what he thinks before really thinking hard about it, and and it's um, and so we've got this forest of individualities claiming things and um, and having a voice because they can publish it through a social network, and then you you really have this kind of uh, weird uh, thermodynamics of 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 uh, affects that just trigger each other. In a in a in a more and more uh, fast way, and you you have got this kind of um, eruptions of uh, of anger and um, and, uh, and, I, and I think it's 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 more like a global problem. You can see what's happening now in the USA, where because someone just claimed on social network that election are are rigged, someone would just read it and just want to be comforted by this idea, you just have to read it and say, oh yeah, I know it, I knew it, it's rigged. And it's it's more about, um, and it's much more, uh, it's a broader uh, problem, it's much more that with um, individualization of societies through uh, capitalism, who adds um, the aspect for uh, of, for everybody to, to, to feel free and to feel entitled, which is, is good, in, which is good in a way. But because of that, and the and the, the crash of the big uh, discourses uh, structuring the society, and not being replaced by anything, you have then uh, a multiplicity of voices of people who, who don't build a community really, and uh, and it's a big distortion. That's that roughly the how I, I see that. Yeah. But yeah. No, 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 absolutely. I am intrigued because towards the end of the book you quote Tiku and uh, I, I will read this because I, I think it's really interesting. You say the placing in common of the present via globalized systems of exchange and information and, and their omnipresent personal and mobile receivers does not for all that clearly determine a collectivity such a collectivity could not exist. The community does not exist. There is only community. And here the imperative of permanent universal synchronization collapses under its own weight. And I am intrigued by, 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 by this quote. There is only community. Uh, what do you mean exactly in this? Because I was trying to think about uh, this, yeah, this the introduction of this quote. Yeah, the quote is tricky because in uh, 
in um, it's hard to it's been it's yeah it's 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 um in French it sounds a bit different it's like um, uh, in France uh, this the quote is il n'y a pas de communauté mais seulement de la communauté uh, uh, which could be there's no uh, there's no community in essence but only uh, community as, as, a, as a material as a matter you, you in a way it's um, uh, a community is not an entity a community is a fuel uh, or oil between people. It's more like a, uh, a substance than a, an object, in a way. Um, uh, yeah, I think I am following. Yes. It's like the act, the act of gathering together. Obviously, this is a very reductionist approach, but it's like the the com the community as a verb rather than as a noun is something in that direct or yeah. as an action uh, or you can you can put it in uh, the other way you say you, can, you can't you can't identify a community you can um, you can identify that community is happening between people is that yeah this Yeah, this is really interesting because it goes against certain essentialist views yes. of uh, communities that are, um, I think, particularly tricky in these moments regarding identity politics, etc. And make manifest this that uh, actually we talk in the last podcast about the breakdown of consensus reality no? how we can um, I don't know lose ourselves in this yeah go ahead Matthew. no this I mean these are concepts that kind of the way that you just describe it it reminds me of both the inoperative community of Jean-Luc Nancy and Agamben's the coming community and it's like um, so but my my I guess question will be the way that it's like Im implying that there is already this fragmentation. So there is a kind of acceptance of the fragmentation. And uh, my question is, um, you know, like the right wing is able to generate a sense of belonging, which in somehow has is, is, is fragmented still, but it has is able to generate narratives that Uh, basically people feel that they can uh, definitely belong into it and uh, I see that the left is uh, definitely you know extremely scared of big narratives you know uh, mm -hmm. but at the same time it's not able to generate a sense of belonging it's not able to you know it's like there's this fear of um, of uh, I mean you know okay the universalism maybe that communism could propose or strive towards is uh, definitely not a horizon that seems to be at the moment uh, possible uh, for historical reasons but 
on the other hand, you see the right that is able to get kind of form, generate forms of community that are much more unifying, and because of it, much more scary. And um, I guess my question would be: Isn't it? Is there any a problem in this acceptance of the fragmentation? It's like wanting to kind of retain some form of autonomy, but you know, if you look deep, deeply enough, you understand that that, uh, that autonomy is very questionable. Obviously, there is all the kind of ethnocentric and colonialist connotations of, you know, thinking in broader terms, but I think, um, yeah, there is a tension there that is very difficult. I don't know what do you think about this tension. I'm, I'm not sure I understood uh, Precisely what you what you mean. Uh, this tension between uh, uh, absence of uh, uh, of of discourse from one end and uh, a dis uh, and a big legitimate discourse from the right wing. I, I'm not sure I'd, uh, what's tension. Uh, the sorry. tension the tension is between uh, on the left an acceptance of fragmentation and uh, being scared of. Uh, kind of uh, generating big narratives and mm -hmm. on the other hand the right wing being able to propose very clearly big narratives and generate this sense of belonging where a lot of young people is feeling kind of uh, compelled to, mm. to be part you know so yeah that's that's what I see that that as the tension mm -hmm. Do you really think left 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 wing as uh, abandoned uh, strong narratives? I'm I'm not sure. Well, I mean, the thing is, um, you know, certainly the question of uh, universalism is, uh, be, you know, put into question. Um, the you know even the humanist you know any any form of humanism is also being put into question. I mean, there is the whole legacies and critiques from decolonizing uh, perspectives yeah, yeah. that put into question. Uh, even though within feminisms there is uh, a lot of uh, kind of you know struggles. I mean, there is in many in, in many parts there seems to be like uh, this kind of questioning to big narratives is in place and I think it has to do with the kind of presuppositions what what will be the presuppositions that you will put these narratives on is it democracy and we see that democracy is being very questioned uh, mm. is it in relation to the nation-state you know that the right wing is very happy to take the role of the nation-state mm -hmm. you know so yeah yeah that's what I mean yeah uh, what what can I say? Uh, I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's more. I, I would like to to break this left wing thing. I think it's more about uh, the the nature of of the narratives and in both uh, political inclination, one towards liberalism and individualism, the other through uh, solidarity and and uh, and community. You, you can still find, or you could find, maybe it's not so true anymore, but uh, um, uh, imperial uh, discourses. By imperial, I mean um, uh, discourses that uh, 
go further than a human's life, go uh, further than uh, um, than anything. That just uh, give old promises for centuries and centuries, and uh, and. Uh, uh, big discourses that ex exceed your, your, yourself, and that's what one point in the book is. I think um, c community can happen through through individuals uh, without imperial discourses, but with uh, discourses that tie people together. And one of them, maybe the, the original one, is 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 that we are dying. And that through that, uh, I think the scope of uh, political choices, the scope of uh, uh, economical uh, strategies uh, must be very um, uh, uh, differently approached through, if, if, we, if we really um, build a community with a discourse that is based on the mortality of everyone and on the fugacity of life, I think we we um, we can still build so we can still have a community between individuals through discourses without it being toxic. And now what we observe is that uh, death is in denial, and because death is in denial, uh, there's a theater that's uh, setting up uh, with different strategies, nationalist strategy, internationalist strategies, but saying kind of not the same in terms of uh, ideals but the same in terms of strategy of uh, building a community through uh, uh, imperial uh, discourse uh, which is uh, which is uh, don't worry everything will be the same forever and uh, and uh, I, I think now it's crackling because we we have a big alarm on the viability of horse and um, and I see you can't really build anymore a discourse like this. And what's what's striking to, to, to come back to the pandemic is that uh, uh, in France, at least, you have big 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 pressure for by the economic forces to say lockdown is not possible anymore because the economic is going to collapse. And uh, so it's 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 the only prism of analysis. It's still it's still very strong, and it's it's uh, it's. Uh, it's very strange, actually. I don't know if uh, it kind of resonated with what you'd say, Martin, or... Yeah, well, or I guess and what I'm very, very interested in is what are the seeds of the um, of this book? Like, what, what, what is it that it took you to, to analyze or to see from this perspective? What yeah, it's it's pretty simple because uh, it's uh, it's a third book I wrote. First was called The Order of Sound, and it was a study about um, the power discourse of power through listening. The second was called The Infra World, and was dealing about the part of the sensation that are not acknowledged and are not uh, put into words. And so I developed this kind of uh, obsession in a way through the. The empire of science and uh, and, uh, and how the empire of science language, so to say, um, uh, cast away the experience of of living, experience of listening, experience of feeling, and experience of being in a way. And after this, it's kind of this this uh, last generation of this obsession with like because we are. Uh, 
we are uh, bombed again and again with with sign, with synchronization point, with uh, values that just uh, has to be refreshed all the time. We are we are, we are we are kind of we forgetting ourselves in a way. We're forgetting that we we're dying, and it's not something very abstract. It's the way I, I feel myself. I've been like years pass at a faster and faster and uh, and I'm busy doing things and busy looking at things and um, and uh, and I'm in denial and uh, basically writing this is trying to 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 remember that but even if I wrote that I forget I keep forgetting I'm gonna die I think it's it's something very strange I think maybe part of human nature as well but uh but because uh, keeping in mind that you will die is not something it's not depression it's not something that you that you gloomy that you carry uh, the weight you carry every day with a, like a curse it's 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 more something like um, um, it can be a, it can be a fuel as well because it can be um, uh, yeah it can be also, uh, helping focusing on what's really what really matters and I think with with this pandemic, it, some people got very depressed and some people got very sad, and and some other, uh, and maybe it was the same people at different times. But some some other people got more focused and more uh, uh, kind of woke up and say, oh, I, I'm I like this, I don't like that. I like to do this, I don't like to do that. And with friends, for example, we, we, we kept in touch with friends and uh, we said, okay, we can make a, we don't call any, everyone, can just call close friends. So you kind of uh, refined your, your existence and social relationship with, uh, and kind of get rid of the, what's not necessary in a way. It's not, it's not a good term, but you, you and I think it's because uh, maybe it was a pause. This lockdown, this first lockdown, was a pause. There were no solicitation anymore, and people just had to to live by the day. And um, and you finally got back to a a, a, a new biorhythm. What it's not new, but it's go back to another biorhythm. And uh, and what we observed in terms of climate, in terms of uh, Dolphin being in the in Venezia uh, kind of happened in the same for us in a way. It's been like a, a bit of a slowdown time when you 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 were not exposed to so much uh, sign signs all the time. I don't know, but it's interesting because even in the context of the lockdown uh, this phenomena that you mentioned in the book as a hyper present that kills time this occur and uh, I think uh, plenty of different uh, people felt that they were unable to experience solitude or reclusion because there's the feed of new podcasts, live streaming, Zoom calls or Zoom mm. gatherings, live gigs, stream over Twitch, etc. Mm -hmm. was was huge. Mm -hmm. Was huge. So I have on the one side 
this feeling that the year went super super fast and very homogeneous mm-hmm. uh, and on the other side this uh, suspension of time like almost like in like a pre a modern era in which you experience your your day in a in a much different way. But I am amazed by the way in which we we produce the conditions of this lockdown mm-hmm. in terms of why do you feel the necessity to produce such amount of and we are doing this. I mean we are doing this podcast. But <laughs> um I am aware of the contradiction that people they are trying to produce like live geeks over Zoom and all these things that it's like very very strange. I don't know if you thought about this because maybe in terms of listening experience, uh, your writing in in that regard. It, it could be enlightened by these different conditions. Yeah, to me, it's uh, I, di- I didn't really uh, actually followed uh, live stream and stuff like that. At least for the for the first lockdown, I was I was really isolated on an island, and I was uh, really happy like that. The thing I noticed is uh, the radio, and the radio was saying just monitoring hours by hours. Uh, Death cases, the illness cases, the the new theory, the new uh, contradiction, the new, and it was like um, refreshed as um, as quick as they can to to bring something new and something that wasn't new that was exactly the same thing about the evolution of the virus. So like for the next for the first two weeks, it was on the French radio. It was nonstop um, COVID. Topics and uh, oh maybe it's maybe it's uh, you can catch it like that or maybe not. There's a new study and of course there was no uh, uh, relevant study because it was so new. But they were like kind of uh, letting information flow as much as they can. Uh, and it was very interesting to see that it was and you were listening to that as well. You, uh, you were kind of attracted by that, like oh it's new, okay. Uh, uh, how long it's going to take or okay it's in the summer it's gone no it's not gone and you're kind of speculating but basically you're in a state of um, of uh, looping around that and I think it was uh, uh, it was an example of what what I've said it was kind of rebooting the question all the time and uh, and I don't see I, I don't see the use of that Except by the this uh, this um, angle, I tried to to approach in the book this angle of creating just sync points all the time, just to make you forget that something happening, in a way. It's a very interesting uh, conception of of time. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, sorry, please, please yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, no, it's, it's interesting because I was just like looking at your book uh, and you talk about the loop uh, in relation to the loose and Guterian ter- territorialization. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, I wonder whether you also thought of this kind of loop 
you know, with the radio and the way that is maybe a form of territorialization? Yeah, I think it was create, trying to create a locality and locality is something uh, as well like spatial and territorial. It's a temporal locality. It was... Um, there was a strange, a strange attempt to grasp the moment, and uh, which is um, which was very linked to this kind of stupor, this uh, stupefaction, or this in French, with uh, this moment where nothing, uh, everything is played again and again, and uh, and uh, and yeah, that's 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 a good point. It's 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 a kind of a refrain when you sail the sail. It up in a in a circle, and and, and uh, that's true. That if we if we believe uh, Deleuze, the refrain is uh, the seed of uh, the territorial territory. So yeah. And could you maybe perhaps say what you have seen as process of deterritorialization with with uh, with this pandemic? Have you, you know, I don't know if you thought on Deleuzean terms while it was happening, but. Uh, <laughs> No, not just, it's maybe just what I um, what I um, I can only I can only talk about my own uh, my own experience. But um, why I was at this island? Uh, so in France, you'd got this one kilometer rule. You could not uh, go further than uh, than one kilometer, a circle of one kilometer uh, from your from your home. So, uh, and you couldn't come out more than one hour a day. And for the first weeks, it was pretty well observed. So everybody was pretty strict about that. So the thing is, um, it was springtime and, um, and I was doing the same, the same uh, walk every day and got into looking at uh, the plant and got... got being accustomed to the evolution of the of the flora, very uh, day by day, and uh, and this island I know it very well, but I never been uh, doing the same walk for three months, two months and a half every day, and I think it I I, I, I it's a very different experience of being uh, of being uh, period. And um, something we lost totally. I, I don't fantasize this uh, old pastoral way of living. I think modern life is uh, very fascinating as well. But the good point was uh, with this um, restriction, uh, it allowed me to experience uh, things a bit differently. And uh, I hope I can keep it with me now that's it's not over but uh this kind of hard lockdown will probably be over at least for this for this pandemic and um and if if, if in terms of deterritorialization it was it was it was it's it, i'm not sure if it's a good word because i was very like anchored in a very local territory and i got a very um, fine and dense knowledge about it and you and you all the plans uh, I discovered that somewhere edible. I, I kind of documented myself and looking uh, every every day on specific plants and got like a very dense uh, knowledge about the, this small territory I was I was occupying, and um, 
and strangely, um, because deterritorialization in Deleuze and retoritorialization is always something that's always something dialectical. And so you, but in in my way, it's um, it's different feeling because you don't claim it territory; you live in it. And I, and I have the feeling with territorialization, you have a, always have a claim of the territory, while deterritorialization is either non-claiming it and leaving it, or uh, occupying a space in a different, in a different, in a different uh, mindset. In a way, I'm not sure if I'm clear. Yeah, I think so. But I, uh, I think when we change our behavior during the different lockdown uh, laws, and so these conditions that you were describing in this island or some reports from friends that were in a similar situation like you you perceive how you are counter uh, you are producing a condition that counteracts the, the measure of the lockdown in terms of time even though you are under the same kind of uh, law framework, let's say, uh, the dynamics are completely different because if you have to, let's say, go to work and have one hour to do exercise outdoors and so in the middle of a city, you see all these patterns of territorialization very, very clear, but when you create your yeah let's say your own biorhythm uh, in a very particular context in which I am not very sure about the use of the term capitalism but where the reign the kingdom of capitalism is not so deeply rooted in the soil it's completely different I am not I am being too elliptical here no I, I think am, I think yeah, uh, yeah. sorry no it's, it's just that uh, I was thinking like for example during lockdown and the mention that you did about uh, the difficulties to to uh, stop life because uh, economic impact is going to be Huge, this is gonna be terrible for the economy, and you think for your own self, but well, if we have to stop, we stop the machines, and that's all. Uh, why is so difficult? Obviously, I am being naive here and so, but actually, this that could be understood as a huge gesture in this pastoral kind of context, you can do that, you can stop. And there is no additional enforcement, if you know what I mean. I mean, no. It's maybe it was a, it was a, it was one aspect. Another aspect is, uh, and it's it's not very interesting because it's not all. It's all only my my thing. I'm not sure it's it's worth uh, broadcasting it. But uh, um, first, I was still working remotely, but like with uh, with this kind of office job. So I was still very linked to the. The, the thing and uh, and secondly it was fun because uh, 
it was a small part, but you, you, there were, I was not alone. And we were like meeting uh, every day the same people doing the same little walks. So, uh, so there was still this kind of small communal approach because it was not an empty space anyway. Um, sense to anyway. No, it's just because I am thinking a lot about uh, curfews and these things that are imposed, and then as well then yeah, these reactions from yeah conspiracy conspiracy theorists far right in terms of yeah the rejection of a central um, command of following certain rules and then how you can find yeah this this little space in which you can yeah produce your your own time and uh, yeah i find fi fascinating the way in which we s we follow like everything in in terms of the in terms of production let's mm. say let's say in, in the in the uk it's a very particular case because the um, communications from Boris Johnson were like if you can go uh, to work please go to work if you are clin clinically extremely vulnerable you are advised to work from home mm. if you cannot work from home you shouldn't w go to work and it's like but what are you saying mm. so it's like uh, extremely contradictive and trying to preserve always the perfect uh, functioning of, of the system and it's like why why it is so difficult it's like and particularly with something like this that the plague is not new we should yeah. expect that this was going to occur with all I, the I think it's a big it's it's one of the big lesson of this pandemic is the fragility of the structure of the economic system that uh, uh, if you manage hospital like a company, then you you try to uh, optimize, as they say, as much as you can. But when you've got something uh, uh, unanticipated, then you collapse. And that's a big lesson that the economical aspect that trying to optimize everything and don't don't have any um, headroom for anything if we term of if we speak in terms of audio engineering if you don't put any headroom in your in your in your health in, in your health system and um, then if you have the slightest um, unexpected um, thing that happened it just collapsed and you can you can tell that in USA they they, uh, they almost need to say don't worry there's nothing because if they say yes be careful you need to go to the to the hospital they, they can't they couldn't enter it so it's uh, and kind of same in UK and uh, and and um, and strangely for in Germany when you 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 have uh, a little less uh, uh, restriction it's because the health system can handle that in a way so it's I think it to me it was a big lesson that's oh it's so fragile and and same with the, the macroeconomics. Oh, if if uh, if planes are on the floor for one month, 
like thousands of companies, uh, not thousands, sorry, uh, dozens of companies might collapse. So that means that this kind of uh, company that that deal with billions of uh, euros uh, are shaped in a way that they can't really handle uh, one month and, and uh, stopping of activity. It's strange in a way. It's very strange. Uh, how fragile is it? And is it crazy that we, you know, basically, you know, as you were saying it before, it's like it's our horizon. We know that it's not able, this system is not able to cope with, uh, you know, uh, kind of um, problems like this, that they are beyond its own temporality. But mm -hmm. nevertheless, we're stuck with it and it's just like almost like a, yes, a suicidal kind of approach. It's, a, it's kind of a scary that... Uh, I wonder whether there will be, you know, some lessons even, you know, or, you know, but I, I presume, you know, uh, the big capitalists will be able to make most money out of the situation and, you know, there will be like a, like the previous crisis, there will be a restructuring, which mm -hmm. it will be more unequal. Um, so it's uh, very weird, but the temporality thing, I think you, you have a very good point there. The, that it has its own temporality that is not able to accept any other contingent kind of forms that are outside its own temporality. Yeah, and I think we have a, a big, big power in denial as well. For, the, for after during the first lockdown in France, there were lots of discussion about uh, how we're we going to learn the, lesson, the lessons. I was talking about the. Um, uh, Dolphins uh, swimming in in Venezia and so, oh, and um, the the clear the clear the clear uh, air in, in Paris when you could see the stars and it was something like people say wow it's uh, just one month of activity very reduced activity and then things are, are going back to a, a, a changing that we can make things change. And uh, so there were like a lot of hope, say, oh, we, we learned the lesson. And as soon as lockdown was gone and people were too happy to go to holidays and, 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 and forget about this, uh, this, this event. And now with the second lockdown, we don't hear this kind of uh, utopian discourses anymore. It's just like, oh, we are bored. <laughs> let's 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 hope the vaccine works, even though I don't want me to be to get to get the vaccine. And there's this strange discourse of let's hope it's solved, but I, I, I don't want to take the chance. And um, and that's back to normal. So uh, that's 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 crazy actually when you think about that. That's crazy that. Um, and I, I share I share this view with you, Martin. I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, any good will will come out from this um, this crisis in a way, or maybe in, on a on a longer term. But uh, I think people will to be too happy to consume, travel by planes and uh, ride by cars and everything once it's done. So yeah, I have to say something uh, that it's uh, because you mentioned this again. Uh, it's interesting, but the the dolphins returning to Venice, National Geographic uh, did a, a report on that because apparently it was a viral uh, fake because the dolphins were filmed 
ataport in Sardinia. <laughs> but, like hundreds of miles away. Yeah, that's but, true. Okay. Uh, the, the thing is that, yeah, a lot of fake animal news abounds, like, on social media. Yeah. Because we were, I mean, following as well all these news that could be perfectly, like, possible. Here in the estuary of the Avon River in Bristol, we had as well, I don't know which animal, that because obviously the, the water in... In the article by National Geographic, is, is is really nice because they did a study on the on the water and it's much much clearer the water in Venice. Mm. But yeah, apparently the dolphin was in, in Sardinia. Oh, <laughs> that's too bad. Um, uh, uh, I I would like to ask you about uh, music and listening in in this context because I think. Uh, it's really relevant and we have we had different guests that they work with with audio um, and I think from you it would be fantastic if you did you think about the potential the potential impact obviously not only just in live music but in the way of listening to to music after after this crazy crazy year I don't know if you are back to the studio or are you still working from home. I've been I've been able to to come back to the studio as well, but uh, since the second lockdown is much more. And I even did a concert in September, which was very nice. Uh, in between the two <laughs> the two restrictions, um, well. Uh, I don't really know what to say because uh, my way of apprehending music is very much linked to this uh, uh, escapism from the uh, tyranny of instant. It's working on long forms with uh, focused listening and um, uh, yeah, I, I ask I ask you this precisely because there is. Well, I mean, it's not crazy to put you in the tradition of acousmatic sound, and obviously you are within a context that, from music concrete till till now, we can see how this is departs uh, in a very very dramatic manner from the live video feed of yeah. Twitch are and all these different alternatives to cope with live music after COVID. But yeah, it's interesting, no? Because at the very beginning, this acousmatic approach has a lot to do precisely with the idea of paying attention to the listening experience and so, unless with the uh, visual cues and uh, live action from the stage. Mm -hmm. So I, I think this this uh, new condition, new material constraints like having chairs for the audience with uh, a, a setup of yeah this number of seats 
it's like reintroduce a, a more focused way of listening. I think Martin had a recent experience. You played a gig, no? Three or four days ago. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a strange, uh, as I deal a lot with social interaction and people were just like, you know, nailed into their chairs and with the mm. masks and everything. But uh, yeah, I, was, I must say that um, I was listening to your collaboration with Steve Mali, uh, Stephen O'Malley, and uh, you know, like reading also a and your book on on death. You know, it's like they, you know, they kind of uh, they they work together very well. I must say, I don't know if this is uh, something you know, but they have a very, uh, I mean, it's extremely beautiful record, uh, but also you know, I guess yeah dark and emotional and uh, you know there is like a lot of uh, subtle uh, hidden you know mm. things going on that you know that um, that it takes time to kind of get to listen to them but they 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 kind of atmospheric qualities of it they definitely complemented very well the reading I don't know you know I, I mean I don't know if this is something for you if you would like to comment on it or yeah i think it it goes back to 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 one of your first question about this articulation and where the seeds of the book uh, and when i answered about this kind of um, trying to escape the, the empire of language uh, towards a, a more experiential way of of being and um and uh and during the lockdown, I just finished a very small uh, book, which is a bit of a, a small manifesto called "The Music to Come." And and in in a, I use this metaphor between the the, the French garden and the forest, and uh, saying that uh, compared different kind of approaching the music. And French garden is very much linked to architecture and uh, building a dialogue between the the concept of the garden and the and the people who uh, witness the garden because you can see signs through uh, structural approaches while when you walk in a forest you don't you don't expect to be uh, uh, you don't expect to find signal by, made by someone that puts them into to talk to you because you you're in a forest you're not in a in a structural world and uh, and I think it's two way of, of uh, experiencing things. It's what for music. Either you experience the, the 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 cultural background and what you know, what you like, and you recognize yourself in the music proposed, and then it's more like a cultural dialogue. Either the music is meant for you to to escape from your cultural state and just go into a more phenomenal way of uh, approaching things, and then you. You don't really build a dialogue with the author of the music. You just uh, just accept what's in front of you and you, and you wander inside. And I think what we what we do uh, with Stephen is actually we 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 wander in the in our own forest we create. Uh, we really uh, listen to each other. We really um, approach uh, the qualities of sounds and. Uh, Without uh, thinking about uh, keys or chords or or uh, a structure, uh, and I think maybe maybe that's something that can resonate with the book. This idea of 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 uh, of um, 
trying to connect with the experience of being instead of uh, reading the signs through uh, uh, cultural cultural uh, products in a way. I don't know if. We, but yeah, I guess we had these discussions for a long time. Uh, I guess with Miguel and and I guess the fear is of uh, of my fear is while I understand the need to understand, you know, kind of the power mm. of experience and of ritual, but the belief that one can cut through all this kind of cultural. Uh, discursive, you know, isn't it a kind of, it has some kind of romantic qualities or, mm -hmm. or, or, or do you don't feel that this might have, you know, might be a bit problematic or a bit, you know, kind of maybe... Uh, or, or maybe the fact that there are signs as well in the way in which you present, anyone presents uh, music and that we cannot take for granted because these signs are so codified that obviously yeah. and I am saying this and, and I played with uh, with Stephen a long very long time ago say hello to him a guy <laughs> from Galicia if you see him but it's it's obvious no you you have a particular listener that is uh, listening to music embedded in a tradition and removing all these cultural layers that make these signs accessible to you, this is something that a completely naked experience is very difficult to achieve, I must say. Yeah, I've got two, two answers for that. First is, uh, you're, you're right, it's, uh, it's very... It's very interesting that what you just said, and I would say that the it's, it's, the the idea is not to remove all the all the discourse and all the language because even when you talk in a, when, you, when you go in a forest, you can identify uh, uh, branches, leaves, and colors because you you've got that in mind. It's more it's more about the finality and the purpose of the language, and uh, and for example, one extreme in some. Uh, modern music, where that music was uh, ideas, and finally the, the, the phenomenal uh, manifestation of it was not so important. So it was a, a, a total reduction of music through sign. And I, w I would go the opposite way. I would, I would say more that the more you can refine uh, and get rid of the uh, uh, signs and and get rid of the sign, in, 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 meaning that you don't use them as a subtext to your music, the better it is. And, of course, you can't really remove everything. And, uh, and a naked experience is always very hard to obtain. But then, and that's my other, that's the second point of my answer, it's, it's what's, what's the music in the music. And that's something I try to... To acknowledge in the in this small uh, music to come book, it, to me music is an advent. It's something that happens, and that's uh, it's not happening all the time. So you 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 build a, a composition, you you play an instrument at at one point, maybe sometimes the music arrive, and that's another thing. Martin just said, yeah, maybe that's a, a, a danger of uh, 
potential uh, uh, a comeback of romanticism through this idea of sublime but to that I, I've, I've got two 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 answers as well uh, first is um, I'd I don't think uh, uh, sublime kind of carry like a, a ultimate truth in this in the romantic uh, rom romantic um, accept exception. It was kind of oh, when it's sublime, when you speechless, then you're in face of tr truth, which kind of be in face of God or something. And I, I think you can, you can, you can just say it's 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 um, seeking this kind of experiences and not seeking the truth. It's just seeking a, a genuine alternate way of being. Uh, and you're 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 leaving the the realm of words, of words uh, uh, all day long, and you can have a glimpse of being outside of it. And I think it's a good recall of uh, the the way your your the way the way a human being is. And it's always this dialectical being the being projected and being f finite. Uh, in the book, in the after death, I always. Try to find the balance, the right balance, if you want to say, between these two uh, reality of what what is it to be a human being. Uh, the, uh, my, fir uh, my first answer, and the second is more like maybe po more polemical. I think maybe we we we, we should uh, as well uh, re-examine uh, what was uh, what was uh, uh, in Romanticism. Now we say but Romanticism to discard it, but I think it was uh, in a way uh, as well. A way to react to enlightenment, and which which what uh, exactly what your rationalism and uh, uh, human centrism, and uh, and I I think romanticism got uh, this power of eccentrism of human and be, please, placing man into the into the environment and being a part of it and not just uh, the the master of it all. It was kind of a second uh, kind of uh, eccentrism the. Uh, sun is not the center of the universe, and, and human is not the center of Earth. So, uh, so uh, I, th I think it would be interesting to, to try to, uh, to do a, a retrospective analysis of what was at stake in Romanticism. Anyway, I, I think I think you are totally right. Uh, um, I, th I, th I think yeah, th there is the need to reconsider this uh, the role of Romanticism. Um, because I, I guess the scary point is the way that the right wing kind of takes the tropes so, or certain tropes of uh, of romanticism. That's the kind of a scary bit. And I think maybe, I don't know, yeah, is it maybe that we are at the time that we need to kind of reconsider, you know. Yeah, but th there is something I think very, very interesting here. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Please, please go ahead. But there is the, the use of sublime in terms of romanticism and so. But then if you trace the term back to like Kant's aesthetic judgment, the mm -hmm. dynamical sublime actually is a very rationalist uh, approach, is that nature is considered in aesthetic judgment something that has no dominion over us so we can face a huge cliff that, that can kill us but our rational abilities provide us this context in which okay i know that i can play 
let's say, 110 decibels, and I will be fine mm. because I have the rational capacities to decipher this. So it's a huge power that I am producing, but rational, uh, the rational milieu uh, makes me, I don't know, empower of this kind of event. So um, it's not submission with nature. I think is it could be understood as yeah, uh, it's a concept belonging to reason, in my opinion. Eh? Mm. We are able to grasp the magnitude of a sublime event like an earthquake or a blasting amplifier <laughs> because actually we are able to codify the world. We are able to yeah make sense of yeah make sense of this. There is nothing mysterious actually this mm. is quite problematic as well but at least it's my reading yeah 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 I, I mean I just wanted to I didn't want to maybe uh, yeah but I want to just basically say that I think there is the need to yeah reconsider certain aspects that you were saying of romanticism of the enlightenment mm. you know and like kind of what you know obviously you know try to identify you know in light of today's society, you know, what elements can we take, what not, and, you know, I mean, and I guess people will do it differently, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think you're right, you're right, it's, it's, you, you have like a bad history of this uh, romanticism through exaltation, for example, which uh, which is a very uh, dangerous thing to do, but uh, I would say it's the same, uh, it's the same problem with some of Nietzsche philosophy in a way. Uh, if uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche has been like so, so used <laughs> uh, through right wing, and we, we 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 all know the stories. But actually, if you if you read deeply, and uh, and uh, it's 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 a, it's a it's a pipe bomb against harder and empire. So I think I think it's um, you always have. Uh, Possible interpretation and uh, and ambiguity, but uh, yeah, I, ju I was just thinking that it could be now interesting too because it's something it's 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 used to discard thing. I've, I've been I've been I've been um, lots of people told me that, that oh yeah you're just trying to react to that sublime and I, I, I don't really think so because because the goals are different and uh, and uh, and the forces. Uh, uh, in the theatre d'opération, in the theatre of operation, are very different as well. Uh, my concern is not being able to live fully my life because I would be saturated with information and trying to find a ways to escape that. And um, so it's really not an imperial approach trying to impose anything. It's uh, on the contrary, uh, trying to 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 build some. Uh, refugees nests of uh, human experience in a way I don't know if it makes sense yeah yeah yeah, no. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's fascinating nice. I mean I I guess uh, I come from a perspective you know coming from improvisation which it kind of it tries to generate certain forms of you know temporary forms of autonomy 
mm-hmm. you know, within the. But the the thing is that I I became totally disenchanted, you know, uh, mm. like I I couldn't see what you know. I I I guess this is coming from a different perspective. So please, you know, not take it. But like for me, the problem was the assumption of the possibility of that kind of autonomous space for an expression of freedom that already within itself uh, seemed to me quite problematic because it assumes the possibility of uh, of a kind of form of self-expression that can cut through you know the determinations of you know the capitalist mode of production and I, you know mm. maybe the, my perspective is a bit too bleak and I'm trying to understand you know what the modulation there is what the room to maneuver might be that's a tricky kind of uh, yeah. I, th- I think uh, you, you must have read uh, Temporary Autonomous Zone by, uh, by Akimbe well, I, I think the lesson is not so much that uh, to me uh, the, le- the lesson is not so much that uh, an autonomous zone can only be temporary in essence that's basically what uh, Bay is trying to to, to, to acknowledge uh, my idea is more of, it's not my idea my, my conclusion of that is more like it, it's it, um, it's not something absolute it's uh, it's something of course that exists within the society within the restriction of society within the the, the restriction of a, a monopolistic capitalist uh, economical system of course and it might be a utopia to create Precisely, an utopia, a place where it's not. So it's it's more like moments of uh, when you you escape symbolically, and I think it makes a big difference. So it's not something absolute. It's something that happen maybe like five minutes a day, but really helps uh, at least not to believe at one hundred percent in um, in in the stream you're living in all the time. And uh, give you a bit of a step back. That's uh, uh, it's it's more it's more uh, trying to to avoid to be flooded by the these massive streams of of uh, of everything everything the same that you 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 receive every day. Uh, I'm, not, I'm I'm not sure I'm I'm, I'm clear enough. But uh, when I, it's not a, uh, what I've tried to 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 acknowledge, it's not a fantasy of an alternative world. Uh, uh, separated from the existing world, it's more a uh, consciousness of alteration. It's uh, it's what I tried to to say in the, uh, the other book, the infra world. Like, okay, you you receive a sensation, but you forget it because you didn't objectivize objectivize it. But it's not because it's not uh, put into words and objectivized that it doesn't have an effect on you. And just this idea, this idea just gave me some relief in a way. I yeah, I think uh, I think he I I think here we understand the kind of uh, the different approaches uh, now, right? Because I think you you seem to have a very delusion type of uh, you know kind of approach in which you know signification you know it's the intensities you know that can you know refute kind of you know. You see in signification forms of object, objectivation and territorialization. You know, it's like well, I guess for me, you know, any form, you know, rationality or you know, uh, discourse or you know, I don't make them a difference. You know, I think the experience. You know, all this, we we are mediated 
through mm-hmm. our discursive abilities in experience. So we cannot just like refute them. So for me, there are tools to be used in order to try to, you know, uh, yeah, at least question what freedom is. But like, I don't make that separation as if we can, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I have, I have problems with, you know, kind of thinking through affects as if they were the affects were outside of uh, some form of capturing kind of a, um, mm. yeah that, that that's I, my no no I hear, I hear you I hear you and I agree of course if not I wouldn't write books yeah yeah <laughs> I see, I see. Yeah, yeah totally I think words are, are the use and 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't exchange with you be like helmets uh, no 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 <laughs> of, 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 of course. Uh, Language is the source of richness and can refine the sensation and affects, actually. But the thing is, um, it's more the tautological uh, uh, approach that language takes sometimes. I say in the book, when, you, when, you're, when you're in these uh, networks, uh, you think, oh, it's great, we're gonna be, it's going to be a lot more of communication. But at the same time, you, you, you realize that the system itself implies that the communication would just be like a small like, a small heart, and it's it's not something that is um, uh, really linked together. The, the depth of language with the possibility of communication. Sometimes it's, it goes against each other in a way. And the thing, but to, to come back to your to your to your remark, which is very very important, I think. Um, as much as I said in in, the, in, in my book, the music to come that. Uh, traditional way to think and and, and, and and practice music can lead to what I call music, which is something that is beyond the codes. And uh, I, I say that I would say that writing, thinking, talking to each other, exchanging ideas can lead us to certain uh, sensation and sentiments that um, that uh, looks somewhere else. The thing um, I think that's been very uh, uh, dominant nowadays is uh, self legitimization of the language by itself. It's when it's when it's uh, it's when the language it's its own purpose, and when uh, it's relooping on itself. And uh, that's that's uh, the only thing I say. I don't, I, don't, I, I agree with you. You there's no pure uh, uh, out of the realm of language uh, world that can. Um, be uh, visited. Everything is more interleaved, but the the, fin- the the purpose of things are are much more different. When you use language to try to get away from it in a way for a moment, try to feel differently, and, or where it's just a self-legitimatory exercise. If I don't know if I'm clear, anyway. Yeah, very <laughs> good. I mean, I think I think I think the kind of uh, overuse of language and discursively in art or in other, you know, I think that's the self-legitimizing I think you know yeah, in academia in the, you know is is I think that's a very something that many people can relate to it and feel very uh, exhausted with it yeah 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 and I think it's close to the same kind of issues that you can think that yeah you can produce something in a modular way you can bypass physical experience or you can bypass uh, conceptual levels etc yeah 